Welcome to another week of Cake Watch, the podcast about cake and cakeism uh, with me, Chris Kendall. I'm an EU official, but I'm um, not here because of that. I'm here in a strictly personal capacity. Um, and with me, Steve Bullock, um, and I'm also here in a strictly personal capacity. I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU and Brexit geek for Alan Smith, MEP. So this week, Steve, um, I thought... Why don't we talk a little bit? I mean, it's been an, it's been an apps. It's all going to shit. <laughs> it's been an absolute shit pile of a week for the government in Brexit. The wheels are coming off this shit yeah. bus. <laughs> in spectacular they really style. They really are. When you look out of your window, travelling at 70, 110 kilometres an hour, and see your own wheel passing you, <laughs> that's what's happening with uh, Smacking the UK John government in the face. <laughs> Repeatedly, uh, that's what's that's what's happening in breakfast in the UK this week. So what well, what what we had? We've had everything, haven't we? Yeah, I mean we've had. Um, I mean the, the the real, what do you call it? Bellwether test, um, the the litmus test for for just how pear shaped is Brexit going? Is look at the most extreme Brexists, people like Rhys Mogg and Carswell and so on. What what's their behaviour? <laughs> how 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 barking mad are they? I mean, just how nasty are they being to to everybody this week? How how crazy are they going na- on Twitter? It's true. The nastier they are, the more pan shitting is going on. Yeah, they they're clearly it's, deeply deeply worried, which is great news. It is great news. It really is. Um, and I think what's remarkable is that remain or at least. Uh, the moderates have taken control of the territory. Mm, yeah, you talked about this. The, the, you know the importance of occupying occupying the territory and having the argument where you wanted on the ground that you wanted. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> and I think we're seeing a bit. We're really seeing a bit of this for one of the first times, actually. Yeah, and you uh, made a very from, good point today. Um, uh, I saw, <coughs> excuse me, um, where you talked about the Overton window being pulled over in our direction, um, and just to explain what the Overton. Why don't you explain what the Overton window is? Uh, the Overton window is the, uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, political scientist, but the Overton window is the window of sort of acceptable mainstream mainstream discourse, mainstream discussion, mm. you know? Um, so, for example, uh, in something that Brexit unrelated, tougher sentencing is, uh, has always been in the Overton window. It's common to talk about whether we need tougher sentencing for this or that. Um, in criminal law, um, but uh, the death penalty has been effectively outside of the Overton window, and the, mm. the, you know the death penalty isn't discussed as a serious, a serious option. It's only people at the very fringes who who really who really talk about it. And I think <clears throat> for for Brexit, you have on one side Remain, mm. and on the other far side you have of the of, of the total possibilities, not not the window itself. Um, on one side you have Remain still, and on the other side you have uh, a, a car crash, no deal, cliff edge 
Brexit, mm. um, the, the, the Lee Yaji Ultras one. Um, and then in between you have a hard Brexit and you have, you know, which is essentially uh, government policy. Uh, and then you have a soft Brexit, you know, uh, EEA, uh, Customs Union and all that kind of stuff. Now, for a huge amount of the uh, discussion since the referendum... You'd say the window's taken in three of the three of these four options, mm. you know. So uh, up until fairly recently, you know, maybe January, February, the Oveden window included um, all of the possibilities from soft Brexit to a car crash. Yeah, no deal, no deal Brexit. Mm. And I think what's happened is that it shifted so that uh, it now doesn't include hard. Car crash, no deal, yeah. hard Brexit, a car crash, a cliff edge, no deal Brexit. But it does include Remain. Remaining's talked yeah. about by, you know, fear of people, normal people, mainstream media. Yeah. Um, we, should, we should be clear that we're talking about the discussion. We're not talking about the actual possibilities. Yes, because, absolutely. of course, a yeah. no deal Brexit, cliff edge Brexit is still very much on the, ta- on, on the table. Very much could v- happen. Very much. But everybody but lunatics, yeah. obvious crackpots, now like uh, John Redwood. Yeah. And Douglas Carswell, um, everybody else sees this as a total that it would be that this would be a totally unacceptable catastrophe. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the point. As the point is the public, and this is what we need if we to get to a point where later in the year um, there becomes a serious movement and groundswell of support for a final say, uh, a vote on the final deal, um, and, a, and a way out of this mess. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So in short. What I sense is happening, and I, I think you sense it too, is that uh, the more extreme kind of uh, outcome is now being excluded from the mainstream discussion. Mainstream discussion as well: do we go for um, do do we go for uh, what, what do they call it? What are they calling it now with this customs union, for example? There's some awful. Um, portmanteau word they've come up with nutsack oh, um, or something <laughs> <laughs> nutsack record um, did you, you said nutsack I did say nutsack <laughs> I, did, yeah. I, 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 thinking, I repeated that there and thought god maybe I must heard crows actually <laughs> what <laughs> nutsack record remind me what it was it was the three baskets, wasn't it? That they were no, 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 about. no. I'm, I'm talking about the customs union now. now. So you've got the oh, customs, customs partnership, and customs then you've got all the Brexiters saying, no, 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 we don't want a customs partnership. It was what's-his-face um, um, in, in, in the Telegraph this morning. Um, oh, Christ, yeah. <laughs> look how well-prepared we are. <laughs> Can't remember the name <laughs> of the guy. Nick Thingy, um, Nick Thingy, the, Nick Timothy, was talking about oh. the, um, this, the nutsack break. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've actually I've actually blocked Nick Timothy in real life, not just on Twitter. So I just, <laughs> I just don't read anything by Nick Timothy anymore. It makes me far too fucking angry. Hazmat, not something something like that. Hazmat, hazmat, hazmat Brexit. I'm going to find it now. Oh, it's um, it's it's Max Max. That's it. Uh, Mini Mac, no. Max Max. Max. <laughs> what is it? Max, Max Planck. Um, <laughs> Max Frick, Min Frick. Uh, yeah, we're back uh, from our bit of uh, instant research, and it's not a nutsack customs union, it's a MacFac 
um, custom solution is what we're looking for. MaxFac. Uh, I have no idea what MaxFac stands for. Oh, maximum facilitation. It relies on technology. I thought it was a makeup brand. Wunderwaffe. Did you, um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw today, but there was a discussion. Um, yes. Can you think of another regime um, that was very much on the defensive in facing a losing situation, which decided that it would come up with a technological solution? Um, there was, there was, that, that has, that did happen in the 20th century. Um <laughs> I'm they call speechless. they call them Wunderwaffen. <laughs> I'm speechless, Chris. Speechless. Not that I'm not that I'm I'm not that wasn't a good that wasn't a good not win. nine not nine minutes into the podcast. And I've already got you, you brought up the Nazis. <laughs> Godwin's law in podcasts. <laughs> what a cliche. <laughs> yeah, so so I so I tweet, I tweeted today that um yeah, so we have two we, the, the, I mean, this is how this is how bad a situation we're in. We have less than six months till an agreement has to be made. You'll remember, you remember all the fuss. We say this almost every week. You remember all the fuss about trying to get sufficient project, progress yeah. so we could open trade talks. Now, four four months since we got sufficient progress agreed, and we've done absolutely fuck all. The cap. So it turned. It, uh, uh, David Liddington said in an interview today that this was the first time they'd had a chance for a, a proper discussion of the customs union issue in Cabinet. It's incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely beyond belief. Um, so they're discussing two options, both of which have been ruled out already by the EU27, and the government is tearing itself to shreds with threatened resignations and all sorts over which one they should choose... Which will be immediately, will be immediately rejected. rejected. <laughs> it's completely pointless. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. I and mean, honestly, if this was in, if this is, if this is an old Peter Sellers film from the Nuclear Age, you know, you'd be going, "That's ridiculous." That would never, you know, you've gone too far this time. Oh, no. It would never stuff like that would never actually happen. That's 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 stupid. It's jumping. It's jumping the shark. It's, it's, it's jumping the fucking shark. It's ridiculous. And yet, and yet, it is is the government of uh, Her Majesty's United Kingdom of Great Britain or not? Um, I haven't I haven't actually shared this with anyone before. But the other day, I was doing some. I, w- I wanted to see where the phrase "sunlit uplands" came from, and I just I found that it was used in um, Andrea Leadsom's speech that she gave when she became a candidate to become Prime Minister when she became a, ca- a candidate to lead the Tory party, I should say. I'm not sure that's a first usage, though. No, well, maybe not, but um, that, in, the, in the Brexit context... Um, in the Brexit context. In the Brexit context, it was the first time that Sunlit Uplands had been mentioned, I think. Anyway, that's... The, the, the point is that while researching Sunlit Uplands, I happened to come upon Andrea <laughs> Ledson's candidacy speech uh, for, for, for Tory party leader. Oh, no. Well, that was an interesting read. But you know what shocked me the most, to, to my very core, was that when I read her speech to become leader of the Conservative Party, it sounded like a far more moderate and reasonable and pragmatic <laughs> programme manifesto than we currently have. I mean, it's oh. unbelievable. Oh, we're so deep in it, Chris. We're so deep in it. So <laughs> I mean, we're we at the point where we'd rather have Andrea Ledson <laughs> deliver oh. on her promise. <laughs> 
than the reality we've actually got. Um, compulsory asparagus for all under tens, is it? And stuff like that. <laughs> Harmless just... but ridiculous. Jeez, oh, oh we're so well, we are up to our elbows. Well, but this is, Isn't yeah. We so, really are. So there is, of course, the school of thought that, well, we can just sit here and wait for the wheels to fall off this bus, which they are currently now doing, um, because, you know, ultimately its internal inconsistencies cannot sustain themselves and the whole thing will fall apart. Oh, this well, is a Brexit collapses under the weight of its own yeah, stupidity yeah, yeah. argument, yeah. Which would be true if it weren't for the Provisions David Allen Green 50. automatic, yeah. what's, it, what's, what's his phrase? Um, as a as a matter of law, yes, by process of law, yes, automatic process of law. Exactly, yeah. I always forget the, the actual phrase that he that, that he, he uses. But it's <clears throat> Article Fifty has been triggered. Article Fifty will run its course. The UK will leave on March twenty ninth next year unless something yeah. happens. Uh, so yeah, the break, the wheels can fall off this bus all it likes, and they will. Still without definitive stop. action. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then it, it it continues anyway. Absolutely. Um, the so the other uh, wheels falling off this week was the Lord's defeat um, of the the government. So ten amendments which, now. Which which Lord's defeat? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we can now ask that. There were there were ten ten in all. Yeah. Um, and I think the 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 most significant one was, uh, well, actually, the very significant one today, um, which is Wednesday. In, in case, yeah, we're no. recording on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. we're recording on Wednesday, um, which is an error because, as Romaniacs will tell you, all interesting things in politics happen on Thursdays. Mm. In between them recording it and releasing it on Friday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, so there's a very interesting one today, which um, essentially guarantees the Good Friday Agreement in law uh, that that any any solution has to has to respect the the Good Friday Agreement and oh, has to result in no border infrastructure. Mm, mm. And this, I mean, this is potentially very important because the government's committed to the committed politically to the the mm. Good Friday Agreement and to that, but mm. they have they're not committed to it in law. They could always they could always go back on it. And if this if this is passed, so where we are with these amendments is that these then go back to the House of Commons. So that the, these are not uh, these are partial wins. Yeah. Or uh, they win the back. They wins along the they wins along on along the road to a real win. Mm. Um, so the other one, because they still need to be agreed by the House of Commons. Um, mm. The other one was, of course, on uh, giving the giving Parliament the power to uh, tell the government what to do in if the withdrawal agreement isn't agreed. And mm. this is very important because you couldn't essential. Yeah, you couldn't put this in the withdrawal agreement. So you, you could. Um, as we talked about the other week, uh, we you can make amendments to the the, the 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 motion on the withdrawal agreement, but the motion isn't necessarily legally binding. Um, it's politically binding, but not. Uh, and we know politically binding doesn't necessarily mean what it used to mean. Mm. Um, and also, um, you can make the amendments, but then you would have to pass the motion. Actually, so um, this says what happens if you don't pass the motion. So it's it, possible that this actually takes no deal off the table because it would give parliament the power if it wanted to to um tell the government to go and renegotiate and if that wasn't possible to revoke article 50 it might be harder to have a referendum i'm not sure they could tell them to have a referendum because the 
I thought they, I thought they could, but you need a piece of, um, but you still need a piece of legislation to be brought for that. So it could even require them to bring up to bring a piece of legislation, or um, I, I guess. But yeah, but would then um, then there's a question: well, Would there be time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean but I time's, suppose, always the, yeah. time's always the evil thing here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but these are really these are really really significant, and uh, you've seen it. Uh, Real cross-party opposition, and you've seen government lords uh, voting yeah, it, it's, for it, the amendments as well. It's on track. Um, the, it, it remains um, a, a still rather improbable outcome, but we're on track for that improbable outcome. We've got, we, we're now into the um, period where we're seeing uh, Parliament reassert itself, where you've got the lords uh, injecting some common sense. It's already shifted the Overton window somewhat. Uh, we're now um, looking at a discussion encompassing um, various outcomes that don't include a, a cliff edge uh, Brexit. That that might still happen, but that's not something that people are now. It's, it's, it, I think it has been made substantially less likely. Actually, I have yeah. to say. So yeah, it, it, you know, th- this is good news, folks. This is this is something that we should be we should be observing all of this and um, feeling. Uh, positive that our institutions are functioning despite the best efforts of the Daily Mail and um, the uh, ERG, who uh, whose leader previously had been such a staunch defender of the House of Lords. Um, so yeah, this incredibly is incredibly against reform to have elected House of Lords actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, and now suddenly they are. It, it's yeah. it's interesting, but I don't it's like a very it good up way. Them, do they? Mm. No. But it's a very good way of putting it to say that the institutions are functioning. I mean, I think the House of Lords obviously needs um, to be reformed and uh, be in some way democratic, which it essentially essentially isn't now. I think few would argue that it really is. I mean, uh, um, but on the other okay. hand, the the point of an upper chamber, the purpose of the upper chamber is the most important thing, yes. actually, rather than the makeup of it. And the, um, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm entirely against having uh, appointed appointed for life chambers as a, as, a, as a matter of principle. I think it's an absurd way to do it in, you know, the 21st century. But that said, its role is as a check and balance on uh, on government power. Yeah, you see. And as an, and as an amending, amending chamber, it's, it's where things are reconsidered, considered and reconsidered in greater depth yeah. and at greater length. Well, um, I mean, two thoughts on this. One is that... Um, you know, we live in uh, we live in a representative democracy, and we shouldn't get carried away with what that means in terms of um, the. You know, we shouldn't fetishize votes. Um, we have institutions, we have balances, we have systems, we have processes. And I'm, I mean, I, I, I said, you know, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that the Lords doesn't need reform. I'm still in favour of Lords reform. We we still got you know bishops and. Um, and, and earls and and, and uh, hereditary peers in there. No, that, that, that's silly. But do we still have hereditary peers? I think we still have some, don't we? But um, in terms of priorities for political reform in the UK, this is way down the list now. Uh, and yeah, if you actually, are going to reform, time. sorry, I was going to say, if you are yeah. going to reform the House of Lords, which I think you know, yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a case for it. You, you know, two things. Firstly. You want to make absolutely sure that reforming it doesn't um, uh, emasculate it, doesn't doesn't remove its um, its constitutional. Yeah, you can't uh, make it a mirror of the Commons. Exactly, that would that would be pointless. 
Uh, and I've forgotten what my other point was. But anyway, there you go. I think um, you know it's 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 a, it's a really you know it's we're living in great times for political junkies. But uh, it's a sign of the times, though, that it's a, that it would be such a low priority. I think you know yeah. four years ago, if yeah. you'd asked me what what needed reform, I would have said the the electoral system in the House of Lords would yeah. have been my top two. I think. Yeah. Well, I'm mean, yeah, still the electoral a... system. Yeah. <laughs> the electoral system but, uh, is still up there. Well, I think the electoral system is still number one, actually. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, well, a written constitution, but um, but yeah, yeah, but and, and then Lord's reform. Whereas now, it, I mean, it does seem somewhat less, less important. Yeah, I, mean, really, I mean, really, you know, it's 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 down the list. Yeah, but they're all enemies of the people now, anyway. But but the 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 key con about this, which several uh, ultras have have made points about and have been shouting from the rooftops, is that this doesn't give the Lords a veto on Brexit. No, of course not. It passes it to the Lord. It passes it to the Commons. You still need to you still need to pass a motion in the Lords, but that was that was going to be the case anyway. Um, whereas, I don't, is it a motion? I, I don't think it is even a motion in the Lords. It's even weaker than that, I think. Um, but this was that was going to be the case anyway. But this doesn't give the Lords a veto. Actually, what the Lords have done, the Lords have given the Commons more power. Yeah. What they've done is they've given Parliament its sovereignty back, uh, which is exactly but the what the, the Brexiters were asking for. Yeah, but the elected part of the elected so, part, of, of yeah, no, it's, it's giving. Yeah, it's giving. They the didn't give people. themselves more power. They gave the Commons more power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Should um, we do? Yes. Is there anything? Oh, hang on. Is there anything else that's gone? Com- that's going completely shit this week? Well, I mean, it's all going completely shit, but nothing that I can immediately remember. <laughs> well, there was the. I mean, there were two things. Two things that stuck out from from for me. In addition to what we've talked about, is firstly that. The Labour front bench voted against the Lord's Amendment on mm. a second on a referendum on the deal. Mm. Yes, um, and it would have been won. Yeah, the amendment would have been won without the Labour front bench. Yeah. Um, well, that we we talked about Labour at length last week, and nothing that uh, has happened since has changed my mind. Um, but on the other hand, on, on the other hand, kissed the the. Uh, the amendment on avoid on avoiding the cliff edge was a labor was a labor amendment. It was cross party, but it was originally labor. But I mean, I think yeah, I think well, upsta- I think upsta- they didn't vote against the uh, they didn't vote against the amendment on a referendum. They abstained on it, which I have to say I think is even worse because it sends a message that this was a calculated bit of triangulation yeah. rather than rather than a principle principled stance on it. Well, so. they're, they're, they're carrying on with their policy of um, remaining ever so slightly closer to the centre ground than the Tories on this. Yeah, it's not clear red water, really, is it? No, but, but on the other hand, kudos to, uh, kudos to them for the amendment on the, on the cliff edge Brexit. So, yeah. Incidentally, yeah. listen, um, about our conversation, um, there, there probably aren't going to be very many people who listen to this podcast who don't also listen to the Romaniacs podcast. But um, we had a, a discussion about the Labour Party and Brexit last oh, week. yes. Didn't and immediately, the, the day after our podcast went out, Romaniac put theirs out with a fantastic um, conversation with David Lammy. Oh, it was just brilliant. Um, so it was really worth listening to because he, he, he obviously has all sorts of insight into this and talked about all the things that we had been discussing, and, and it's really worth a listen. But also, I mean, what what a what a guy David Lammy is. Absolute legend. Did you see his tweet when he um, he sent a, he did a photo of him? Uh, well, he did a photo of Omar from um, The Wire 
sauntering <laughs> yeah. down the street and he said me going into parliament like <laughs> so brilliant. funny it was so it was good brilliant. james uh james o'brien did a really brilliant interview he does a series of interviews for of long form interviews hour-long interviews oh, yeah. joe.co.uk right. um and he did an absolutely brilliant interview with with david lammy and yeah i mean i think it's 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 a shame that uh it takes this it takes <laughs> these massive piles of shit, yeah. huge fuck up. Well, it, it, uh, for people like for people like him to 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 come to the come to the fore. But yeah, but what I thought was really it, interesting you know, with yeah. what I thought was really interesting on Romaniacs, you know, was him saying essentially that he can do his job better on the back benches than he could do on the than he yeah. can do on the front benches. Yeah. Which I thought was really really interesting. He is, you know, he is somebody who's absolutely committed to the. To yeah. the actual to the actual job and not to uh, well, it's a strange topsy turvy world, isn't it? It's like like people are saying, you know, you've got a it's a backbenchers parliament, and you're seeing it's great because what you're seeing is you're seeing individual parliamentarians of real substance and quality are rising to the top, not because they've been appointed to high office or because they're ministers or shadow bench, but simply because of the quality of their rhetoric and their act, you know, and, and their activism. And I, mean, yeah, I think you see this with Hillary, Be- Hillary Ben on the committee, as chairing, chairing mm. the committee as well. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it, in a way, this crisis for British democracy is also, um, you know, to, 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 to strike a positive note, you're also what? seeing the the best of it in a way. You're, you're, you see where the potential is for it really to shine and um, David Lammy used to be my constituency MP. He was he was terrific. He was. Um, I can well imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anything's going to, the only thing that's going to get a, get us out of this is Parliament. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, there's no there's no, um, there's no magic bullet going to come from. And that's from that's how it should be. Really, it's going to be it's going to yeah. be Parliament. It's going to have to be. Yeah, if our system's supposed to function, that that's how it should be. Um, so the other big thing is not strictly Brexit related, but it was. Something really extraordinary that there was a motion today uh, from uh, an opposition motion on releasing all the papers related to Windrush into yeah. the public domain, and the Conservatives three-line whipped it. Unbelievable! I mean, this is amazing. So there was a three-line whip to keep evidence of their own fuck up secret. Unbelievable! Um, now, now. Opposite the Conservative people might not realise, but the Conservative Party has been taking a pretty underhand approach to uh, opposition day motions on the whole because they do, they don't turn up to vote for them or, or turn mm. up for them. Mm. Actually, they they have completely empty benches sometimes, mm. um, which uh, which I think is a bit of an abuse of Parliament because total abuse uh, of democracy. Op- 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 opposition day opposition day motions are not some new thing that's been imposed on them that you know opposition days are uh, are part of part of how parliament works and i think to um to to to, to not turn up to delegitimize them is, is especially when they're really, a, when they're a minority fucking government excuse me quite but it yeah so it means that they all pass but they're all meaningless because they were yeah. boycotted um which i think is really disgraceful on the other hand having that <laughs> As they have that policy to then three line whip this one, yeah. is uh, is I think a real disgrace. And I, I I can't see a possible um, I can't see a possible justification for it in terms of national security or anything like this. I mean, are trying anymore? I think that they just no, feel well, not we can get away with it. So we, you know, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's where we've got to with it. 
so it's not yeah it's not breakfast related but um i think it's related to the 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 general stuff we talk about, about yeah, the, the decline, decline of, uh, yeah. So, so it's all going to shit this week, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad yeah. thing. We have to go through this if we are to get through to the other side. We may not get through to the other side, but it, it need, needed to go through this. Necessary, but not sufficient. Yeah, exactly. So should we do our um, sponsor? Yeah. So, yes, so we were uh, contacted by the uh, Milton Keynes branch of the European movement um, who uh, would like to sponsor us for free. Uh, so we very, uh, very happily uh, welcome um, their sponsorship this week. Um, they are running a series of events, of events on the 9th of May. Uh, and you all know what the 9th of May is, don't you, gang? The 9th of May is Europe Yay. Day. Hey. Um, more on that later in the podcast. Um, on the 9th of May, um, the uh, European Movement Milton Keynes branch will be running a series of events with Andrew Adonis, Madalena Kay, aka EU Supergirl, and uh, Will Dry of Our Future, Our Choice, as oh, follows. I yeah, and that's a, very, very, a great lineup. Um, Brexit, what does it mean for me and my future? This uh, will be an event which is specially designed for young people and give them an opportunity, a great opportunity to engage face-to-face and one-to-one with Andrew Adonis, a leading politician, and with prominent young campaigners, Madalena and Will. That's going to be taking place at Milton Keynes College on the 9th of May uh, between 2pm and 4pm. They will also be putting up a People's Vote street stall outside Milton Keynes Station to give members of the public an opportunity to engage with Andrew Adonis and with Will face-to-face. That's taking place outside Milton Keynes Station between 4.30pm and 6.30pm. Uh, and then finally, uh, there'll be a Brexit, is this what you voted for? <laughs> discussion debate with Andrew Adonis and with Will, allowing people to explain why they voted the way they did, whether you'll remain or leave, and how Brexit is going to affect your everyday life. So this, I mean, this is again another fantastic example of grassroots uh, yeah, activism really with you know bringing in some real big guns. But essentially, it's local, it's grassroots, it's about reaching people on their daily commute, in, in where they study, where they work. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. Now, um, I um, you can Google European European Movement Milton Keynes. Or you can have a look at the episode notes that I'll be putting on our website because I'll find a link for them. Uh, and um, I promise to tweet something about this too. Um, but anyway, thank you very much uh, to uh, Milton Keynes European Movement for sponsoring our podcast. Yes, thank you very much. And if anybody else uh, is involved with or runs uh, uh, Andy Brexit organisation and would like... Uh, uh, similarly, uh, cost-free plug uh, and to sponsor an episode of Cake Watch. Uh, please get in touch with uh, with Chris Rye, and we'd be very happy to oblige. I think uh, it might not be the greatest marketing strategy in the world, but it's probably the best value. Yeah, you can't argue with free. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yes, we're very happy to do that. Um, speaking of plugs, well, it's not really a plug, but. Uh, it's another subject to talk about. Uh, if you haven't read uh, Chris Gray's blog, uh, I'd urge you to uh, at your earliest convenience because I think one of the things I've 
noticed about one of the things that that, that is pleasing about all of this is that I don't know about you, I'm sure you're the same, Chris, that I've come into, come into contact with writers and thinkers and commentators and so on that I, I hadn't really come into contact with before. Uh, and it turns out there are a lot of extraordinarily extraordinarily good ones out there, right? Yeah, there really are. I mean, you know, Chris Chris Gray, um, he, he's uh, an academic at London University, uh, I believe, um, and uh, he has written this Brexit blog that he started a while back um, and it's just consistently brilliant. I mean, it, it's so and sharp does, he, and he very two, well written. Two, two, two and sometimes more a week, I think. I'd say, I mean, you know, the output's incredible. It really is. It's, it's one of those, there are very, you know, there, there, are, there are blogs that you read or, or articles that you read or columnists that you read and you think, oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I do enjoy that. Yeah, 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 there's a lot of insight there. But there are not many where you know that when you're going to read this person's output, you're going to think, fuck, I wish I'd I wish I'd thought of any of yeah. that. I, mean, I wish I could write that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, I mean, there's, some really, there's some really wonderful ones around. I mean, I think uh, Steve Pierce we've talked about before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who will uh, take take a proposal or a paper from either the Commission or the UK and essentially have a, a full analysis of it in about in about an hour. Yeah, yeah really <laughs> impressive stuff. It's, it's really yeah. impressive. But Chris, but Chris yeah. I think... Chris, Chris gets things just consistently, absolutely, absolutely spot on. And um, but this week's was this week's his latest blog was very, very interesting. So insightful. Um, he was contending that essentially uh, Brexiters would have been happier if they'd lost the referendum. Yeah, which sounds counterintuitive, but go and read his blog <laughs> um, because it's uh, it was always about. It was always about protest and blaming something and railing against something. Yeah, it was never about the, it was never about anything positive. It was always always um, purely negative argument. Yeah, um, and and this gave this gave purpose, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to be there anymore. And what's more, they're not going to no no Brexiter of a, a tiny subsection of Brexiters, if Brexit happens, will get the Brexit that they that they mm. wanted. Um, the moderates, it won't be moderate enough, uh, and the nutters, uh, it won't be, it won't be nutty enough, because uh, they'll be, yeah, and and they'll all always, <laughs> in every part of the 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 leave spectrum, will blame Brexit not being done properly for the yeah. <laughs> for the rest of their lives, you know, but it couldn't have been, but it couldn't have been done properly for all of them. None of them are going to be. Happy. They all wanted completely different yeah. things. I mean, so none of them. Will be. Uh, and lots of the things that they want to happen are theoretically impossible. But what they have done is made the rest of us unhappy too. So they're great egalitarians yeah. in that regard. But it begs the question, you know, people always, and you'll see this on Twitter that there's this sort of low-level hint. Of violence, if the referendum, <laughs> yeah. if Brexit doesn't happen, or if Brexit doesn't happen in the right way, yeah. But particularly if it doesn't happen, I mean, say um, low-level threats of violence. I mean, you know, and then there's Nigel Farage who threatens to go and get a gun and dress up in khaki. You know. Oh yeah, there's actual ones, but there's 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 <coughs> people uh, saying, oh, but there would be insurrection. You know, there would be insurrection. Mm. There would be violence on the streets if we go ahead with it. If you know, if we just throw in the towel now and say, okay, go ahead with it. Have your stupid breakfast. Uh, have it as hard as you want. You know, that plus or minus 2% is everything. Um, most people who voted 
leave still won't be happy with the no, outcome. Of course not. For the, for and they'll still never, blame us. And they'll still blame us. So if they're never going to be happy, what's the point in trying to make them happy? Exactly. <laughs> well, and make them happy. Do, give them what they do want. The right thing instead? Give them what they want, which is EU membership that they can constantly bitch about for the rest of their lives. Well, quite. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And you know what? There's a there's a great segue here because uh, I want to I want to link this into a new special feature, occasional we, feature that we're we, going to need uh, new music for this. We oh, need some it, we need something Germanic for this. I think, don't we? The segment's called Schadenfreude Special. <laughs> so this is going to be an occasional segment. Um, in other words, we'll do it when we remember to. But um, there is plenty of Schadenfreude to go around. What's, um, what's, what's your pinned tweet on your profile, Chris? Oh, yeah. You've got great um, I, I confess I am enjoying the Schadenfreude, but it doesn't make a dent in the Brexit schmerz. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I absolutely love that. I really like that. <coughs> anyway, Schadenfreude, as, as you learned listeners of this podcast will know, is where uh, you rejoice in someone else's misery. <laughs> or, which, we make a bit, which we make a big effort not to do here, actually. <laughs> Um, yes, Steve. I make a big effort not to rejoice in okay, the misery. Well, I make I, I make a big effort not to. <laughs> Chris doesn't mind the forest pleasure. I do, but there we go. Yeah, no, I'm half German. This is an important part. <laughs> Says he, I'm allowed to use uh, cultural stereotypes about myself. Am I? Anyway, listen. Uh, moving swiftly on, Schadenfreude yes. special. Um, there's there's a certain pleasure to be derived in watching um, levers. Realise that what they wanted to happen isn't going to happen, and um, seeing their discomfiture, I, I take I take a certain amount of pleasure in this. And um, Steve, just before we started recording, you shared with me a story that had me. It lifted my mood. It made my day. It. I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing when I heard this, and I really want you to share it with our listeners. <laughs> okay, so there's, there's a. a a, a tweet by Catherine Bader, MEP, which I then find out, find out more details about them. I'm laughing um, already. <laughs> I know, I can hardly tell the story. But apparently uh, UKIP MEPs and their assistants in, in, in the European Parliament are extremely annoyed at the moment. And um, <laughs> what would be hilarious if they ended up revolting against Brexit over this. That would be... It would just be too good. Um, so they're, they're extremely annoyed at the moment. And the reason that they're extremely annoyed and extremely angry is that um, they think they, they, they're being treated extremely unfairly because <laughs> they've discovered that, that they won't be MEPs. They won't be MEPs during the transition period. So how this apparently came up is that they were asking about, about you know, what would the provisions for office space and so on be? During the transition period, and of course the answer is that you won't have a fucking office because you won't be an MEP because there won't be any UK MEPs. Because you'll have left and the fucking EU. Because you've left the EU, because you, because you set up a party to campaign specifically to leave the EU, and then, and then won a referendum, and have insisted that the result of the referendum was carried out, and have insisted that there should be no extension whatsoever of Article 50, and that Brexit absolutely has to happen. On the 29th of March, <laughs> and then they're upset that they're not I mean, going wouldn't to be, that be? They're not going to be MEPs, and they're not going to get they're not going to get paid, and they're not going to have office space. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more cakeist. 
<laughs> you give you give MEVs wanting to both be outside the EU and have their and offices be members in of the European Parliament. <laughs> what do you mean we won't be MEPs? What do you mean? Why why on earth wouldn't we be MEPs? <laughs> Good God. Oh my Oh my oh my sides. Oh bless them. Oh, bless oh, them. I know. And, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bless them. Forgive them for they knew, know not what they did. <laughs> it's just it takes a dramatic. very special kind of... Oh, but I wish I could have seen the look on the face, you know. <laughs> oh, it would have been absolutely wonderful. It really would have been to be there. Oh, it would have been so great, wouldn't it? Oh. Yeah. So... Oh. What I can't wait to tell that when I work tomorrow. What a bunch of numpties, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. Jeez. Oh. It goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, where people like, yeah, well, they'll be, you know, once we're in transition, it'll be fine, then we'll have a bit more time to, to turn this yeah. around. Like, <laughs> transition happens after you leave. It would have actually, it would have actually been better. You know, it would have been even better if they hadn't known... This would have been best if they hadn't realised and they just walked up, walked up to the Parliament, <laughs> Parliament building on the 30th of March and tried to, wipe, tried, to, tried to swipe their past, you know, and they've been sort of marched off, the, marched off the premises. I think that would have been, that would have been even, oh. and, then, and, then, and then having to have a security guard explain to them that they're no longer an MEV. In, in French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, this would have been. Oh, it's just, it's just too good. It's just too good. Ah. Oh, so yeah, jeez. And these are the win. These are the winners, folks. These guys won. Yeah, they're the winners. Yeah. <laughs> you see, it's not all grim. This podcast isn't all grim and shouting into the void and thinking about hurling you, hurling yourself off the edge. We have good. We have. We have. You know, we have happy things as well. Oh, Schadenfreude, yeah. nefarious pleasure. It's called. Yeah. <laughs> For, uh, Freud, of course, um, being uh, a key word in the European anthem. Mm. It was not Schadenfreude, it was Freude. Freude, schöne, schöne Götterfunken, Tochter aus Elysium, which, as you all know, is uh, joy, um, the uh, beautiful spark of the gods, the divine spark, uh, daughter of Elysium. In this case, it's Schadenfreude, schöne Götterfunkentochter. Schadenfreude, Götterfunkentochter aus. <laughs> oh, bless you, you, Kip. Thank you for that moment. <laughs> so, uh, should, we have, should we have Lie of the Week? Let's do Lie of the Week. I don't believe you. Liar. Lie of the week this week is um, well, Andrea Ledson. The second mention she gets on today's podcast. Well done, Andrea. Obviously, moving up in the world, uh, but only because she quotes Daniel Hannon. So I mean, it was it's 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 Hannon's lie, really. Yeah, it's Hannon's lie. Let's let's yeah credit where credit's due. Yeah, Daniel Hannon. You get lie of the week, Andrea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to just bask in his glory. Um, the lie is: uh, the Swiss border shows that free movement works perfectly well without the customs union. Well, of course, it it, it, it does show that 
freedom of movement work well because Switzerland has freedom of movement. Because it's in Schengen. Because <laughs> it's in Schengen, things. yeah. yeah. Uh, but it doesn't show that not having a border works perfectly well without a customs union because it has a border with queues <laughs> and stuff at it and people in uniforms checking papers, uh, which, which are the marks of a, of a, of a, of, of a hard border. So, uh, yeah, this is just, this is really amazing. I mean, this is the ability to look right down the camera at the people and lie. You know, because Hanan's been called out for this before. So he knows. On this, ex- on this exact issue. He knows. He, he knows. He absolutely knows. And uh, <laughs> there's even a picture of him standing next to, admittedly at the time, unmanned, but a, bo- a border post. I mean, so the idea that there's an infrastructure at the border <laughs> when he's standing in a fucking yeah. photograph in front of the infrastructure. Ah, oh, I mean... Really, try harder. Mm. But, 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 yeah, but the ability to look down the camera and, 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 and just lie about it is, is really extraordinary. I mean, how can you do it? How can, how can you, you know, if I, if I, if I tweet something or say something on, on, uh, on the podcast, I mean, I think I said it would be a Lord's motion on the withdrawal bill, and I don't think it is a motion. I'm going to have to go back and check. And yeah. if, if I'm wrong about that, I'm going to have to cut it out. I'm going to have to edit it out because I would hate to have the wrong. I would hate to have exactly. me saying, the, yeah. saying something that wasn't true. I mean, that yeah. would be awful. I would, it takes I a certain know, kind of personality, to yeah, to, to yeah. be able just to lie, <laughs> quite unabashedly tell untruths, and just. I mean, it's. I mean, it's almost a talent, you know. I mean, I certainly can't do it. <laughs> tell it's not. Lie. But it's not. It's not. It's not spin. Or being selective with the truth, you know, being selective with the truth is is failure to failure, you know, is is deliberately omitting parts of the truth that would be disadvantageous to you, you know. Mm. And spinning is, put you know, putting a putting the most positive slant on on things. This is fine, you know. You you, you don't expect somebody proposing something in politics to put a negative slant on it. You mm. expect them to put the best slant on it possible. And people factor this in, you know, that it's, 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 pri- it's priced into what people think about it. When, when somebody comes up with something that's a panacea and is going to absolutely transform everything forever for the better, everybody thinks, well, it's probably not going to do that, but well, it does mm. look like quite a good proposal. Mm. And, you know, it's not treating people like idiots. This is treating people like idiots. Mm. Yeah. Um, and because then it gets repeated, and it gets repeated by MPs who are uh, ministers, in fact. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's deli- deliberate deception with the intention of achieving uh, a, a goal by a certain date. Uh, after which, um, the discovery of the deception won't make any difference. Yeah, absolutely. But our friend friend of the podcast, Jim Jim Cornelius, again came in with the. Just absolute best response to this, which was a, a, a map of Switzerland showing all of the uh, mm. border posts. <laughs> Just everywhere. Mm. <laughs> They're absolutely everywhere. Now, there are, it should be said, that there are some roads between France and Switzerland, for example, which, uh, which don't have a, a generally mm. manned border post mm. on them. Uh, a friend of mine lives uh, near Lausanne and does a shopping in France. And drive over the border, and he drives over, drives through a country country road. Every truck is checked, though, so, um, 
and um, all all mm. main uh, all main routes all main route far. And so, also, I mean, this is just yeah. And also, let let let's not forget that Switzerland is an entirely different situation legally, politically, geographically, physically to the UK. Switzerland is a landlocked country um, bordered upon every side by EU states. Uh, okay, you can fly into Switzerland, but um, <laughs> Switzerland's also in Schengen. Switzerland has um, a whole panoply of bilateral treaties, bilateral agreements with the EU, which means that it effectively... Effectively, it's a market. single market, yeah. Um, all of these things are nothing like what Daniel Han and Andrea Ledsman Co. want to see happening to the UK after Brexit. No, and we've had we've had just the same with the Swede, the the Norway Sweden border as well. We've had just the same claims, exactly. and then when you know you have the head of the Norwegian Border Service in a select committee saying de- detailing all of the friction yeah. that they have to do, and yeah. that they try to minimise as much yeah. as possible, and um, but that they that they have to do, uh, and people still and people still use that comparison. People still mm. say, "Well, it's effectively nowhere." And they used it in the US and Canada as well, where yeah. literally every single truck is, is yeah, checked. Believe me, that in is the not US what you want to cross every day. Yeah. And they're in a and they're in a free trade area mm-hmm. actually with each other. Yeah, um, and and yet it and yet it still is. So I mean the the uh, this is this is just ongoing. And then move mm. on to the next one, and it'll be nowhere in Sweden again. Yeah, next week or the week after. So, um, yeah, on the on on the whole issue of Switzerland and, and Norway, there's a lot of discussion about um, a soft Brexit. Um, we we've been we've talked about it ourselves a lot. Um, in and you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the Overton window, which is that um, there was a there was a, a, a discussion among the Remain community community a little while back about well, what would be so bad about a Switzerland uh, or a Norway outcome? I mean, wouldn't that effectively be uh, the status quo, just you know, in a diff- with a different with a different name? Look, um, no, uh, but we don't have time to go into all of that now. I think we should have. But I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I will tell you why very quickly, which is no democratic deficit, and you know, yeah, <laughs> you've heard me bang on about it for ages. But look, I think we need to have a proper discussion about that, um, and and I think that, that would be a really good theme that we could perhaps. Do, devote uh, a whole episode to one of these days what do you reckon steve no i think that's a very good idea and we'll clear up some of the myths like this mythical uh, european european parliament report on uh, borders 2.0 that i seem to get quoted at me absolutely constantly by people who haven't read any of it uh, so we can clear up clear up some myths about these things yeah so no i think we should do a i think it, it warrants a whole episode to uh dispel the myths and uh and and help help understanding of of what that really means <clears throat> and i think it'll become more important because i think there'll be more discussion of it as time goes on as well yeah. so um so i think yeah it's important that that, that that people know uh know what it really means yeah um speaking of future podcasts yes we have something exciting for next week very we? exciting i'm really excited about this um Next week is uh, uh, Europe Day. 9th of, 9th of May is Europe Day. Uh, and we're going to do something special for Europe Day. We're going to hopefully get the next episode out on Europe Day itself. Which and uh, it is going to be a an episode entirely devoted to us talking about what we like about Europe. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sometimes we get criticised for being a little self-indulgent, Steve. Uh, and fair warning, we are <laughs> we are going to be very self-indulgent. Yeah, this is going to be very self-indulgent. And it may it may even uh, it may even go on for a little bit longer than an hour. You never know. I th- I, th- I think this one's actually going to be particularly self-indulgent for Chris because <laughs> most of my taste and culture is British and American. So, Well, British is European, don't forget. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, well, that's easy then. <laughs> Favourite European band, Stone Roses. <laughs> it's fine. <coughs> I mean, you know, try to be, try to get outside your little... Um... At least outside Manchester, maybe. Yeah, but... Um... No, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so me that, too. Tune in next week for that. Um, that's going to be that's going to be a fun podcast to do. Yes, I'm really looking forward to next week. And I think people are always saying that we need to give positive messages on the EU and Europe. So we're going to have an entire podcast of positive messages about the EU and Europe, except for when one of us suggests a favourite European film, and the other goes, "Oh my god, not that! That's disgraceful." <laughs> Which I'm, I have I'm, no doubt that we will. I'm excited about this. It'll be it'll be a, um, an interesting insight into each other's um, incredibly poor taste. I suspect. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Particularly <laughs> in, if it's an insight into mine. <laughs> oh dear. So that uh, that that wraps it up for another week, Steve. Um, do you want to tell us where you, where people can find you on Twitter? Uh, yes, I am at Guitar Moog. Um, that's Guitar. M O O G, on Twitter, Moog. Yep, and I am Autocrat. That's O T T O C R A T at Autocrat on Twitter. I've I've always thought you should have an umlaut in that middle O. No, it's Otto. Oh, it's my it's my it's my middle name Otto. Is your middle name Otto? Yeah, it's my my, my uncle and my grandfather are both Otto, so I'm I'm an Otto as well. It's actually, Otto von Bismarck. I'm Otto, and then and, and then. <laughs> There's a crack because I'm a Eurocrat, so it's like Otto crack. And oh, like, I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that was your middle name. Oh, you learn something every day. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And on that bombshell. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week for see our next Europe week. Day special. Good night. Good night. <laughs>